And this is Andrew, and welcome to the first of the one-shots in the post-Witcher era of the <laughs> of video games cover to cover. This is episode 37 overall, where we are going to be talking about Pathologic 2. Now, this was definitely a little bit of a contentious one, just because I know that this is very much not Chris's thing. So I really do appreciate the fact that he was willing to, you know, bite the bullet and, and take one for the team on this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he he's he's right. I generally I'm not a big fan of horror games, and it's not necessarily just the horror aspect of it. It's mostly just my brain does is insane, as you've probably guessed. <laughs> um, and a lot of times, whether something in horror actually scares me or not. I have a lot of difficulty sleeping at night in general, and horror basically just intensifies that because when I start, as I'm basically replaying my entire day, as I'm apt to do um, at night, thinking about all of the terrible mistakes I've done, all the decisions I've made, and to be clear, that doesn't make you um, that doesn't make your brain crazy. I'm pretty sure that's just what everybody does when they're trying to sleep. It's all of a sudden it's oh, it's three o'clock in the morning. This is a great time to remember that stupid thing you said at ten o'clock. Well, no, not I'm not saying I'm crazy for that. I'm just saying that I, it takes a lot for me to get to sleep. Whereas there's a lot of people I know that they just oh yeah, I just blank, I zero my brain out, but lay my head on the pillow and go to bed. Like I I can't do that. Uh, it's great. It probably takes me, even when I go to sleep, it probably takes me about an hour, hour and a half to actually get to sleep. The problem is with horror games, I live in an old creaky house. So when that, when, when I play horror or watch horror or anything like that, I hear a creepy noise and my brain goes, hey man, there's a murderer in here. <laughs> I don't think you should get to sleep. I will definitely agree with what he's saying about living in an old creepy house because I've house sit for him before, and there have definitely been text messages where I'm like, "Dude, I swear your house. There is something wrong with your house. What is going on?" There is something wrong with my house. The walls bleed from time to time, and that's what I'm trying. This is what I was trying to get you to understand when I was like, "Hey, man, um, don't really want to play a horror game if at all possible," <laughs> but. I guess, and and that's that brings us to I guess one of the things that we wanted to talk about from a pathologic perspective, which was what really defines a horror game. The more I play it, the more I think you were right, Andrew, in the fact that I wouldn't necessarily classify it as horror either. Now, when yeah. you first spin the game up, it's like creepy metaphor after creepy metaphor like dark areas, fire and everything. And at first I was kind of like, Andrew, you dick. <laughs> what are you Why talking about? Why did you about? do this yeah. to me? Yeah, like, we we had a pretty long intense discussion because it was it was it was pretty con contentious because I I I did. I maintained the position. I'm like, I don't really feel like it's a horror game. I mean, it it gets classified as survival horror and I understand why because of the genres we have, that's probably the closest, but in general it's just kind of a grim game, and I don't really think horror and grim are the same thing, because there's a lot of things I would call grim that I wouldn't really classify as horror. So this was kind of a back and forth, yeah, because... Well, 
So, so what I, I would actually go a step further. It's more than just grim. It's psychological. Well, yes. It, it, the point of it is to really make you think about what's going on in the game. Reflect on your life in general. What sort of decision it, it really makes you think. And when I think of the horror genre in, in general, as vague as, as that actually is, psychological mediums, in my opinion, are like a thousand times worse than just standard horror. You give me a jump scare, like, um, oh, geez, how can I blank on Five, uh, five Nights at, at Freddy's? Yeah. yeah. When you give me a jump scare game like FNAF, I don't even, it, it doesn't even register to me because it's just like, oh, well, it's clearly fake. It clearly, like, sure, when I go to bed, my brain's probably going to be like, hey, man, there's an animatronic giant thing in, in, downstairs and it's trying to kill you. And then I'm like, well, you're stupid. That's definitely not actually possible. No, the animatronic that's downstairs is definitely asleep and is friendly. And so then I'm like, but psychological stuff is real. That stuff can actually happen. And so then when you think about the psychological aspect of, of a game or a medium, so like one of my favorite movies, and I know this is going to sound weird considering I just talked about how I don't particularly care for for horror that much one of my favorite movies is session nine and i andrew i don't know if i ever pressured you to watch it because you I basically definitely tell, told me about it but i don't think i ever did i definitely tell everybody to watch it because it is the the if, if you're not aware it is a movie premise set in a abandoned uh insane asylum and this cleanup crew is going in there to basically revamp it so that way it can be turned into like a hospital or something. So they're going in and they're taking all the asbestos out. They're cleaning up a lot of the crud and everything. And so it's as the, as the movie goes on, like you get more and more information about the cleanup crew where this is the job that is basically, if this doesn't work out, they're done. Like the guy who owns this whole who owns the business is basically out of business. He's having home troubles. And like, it's basically like, it's all this psychological stuff of like, this is real. And then he starts, he comes across these tapes of a doctor basically talking to a, uh, having sessions with one of the patients. And each session that he listens tr- to throughout his time at this, as- in, in uh, this asylum, just progressively like gets more and more dangerous. Like it, they're, they're talking to uh, the doctor in the session tapes is talking to somebody with um, disassociative disorder. I think that's the one where uh, you can have multiple personalities, but not like, no, which I, each I, yeah, I, I, be- I believe that's what that is. Yes. Yes. And so each time you hear them and it's, it, it's very interesting because you're listening to it and you're like, okay, no, that, that like, that's real. It, it may be relatively rare. Like, I don't know how often it happens. I, I don't know if it's actually rare or not. Um, but I mean, you don't see it all the time. And like, you occasionally see it in a movie as like the hook for something bad is going to happen. But like, it's not like you see news stories on it all the time. So I don't know how much it really gets, gets talked about. I probably should have looked that up a little bit before <laughs> we started, but whatever. So, I mean- so as these sessions go on, you just it gets progressively more interesting, progressively pulls you in. You get more information about how this guy is basically down on his luck 
And it just, it by the end of the movie, specifically session nine, just everything goes off the rails. And it's not like, it's not like over the top. It's basically this dude just goes around stabbing people because he, he is basically developing this disorder as everything is going on. I don't, that aspect is, is from my perspective, probably incredibly realistic. So, or not incredibly <laughs> unrealistic. Yeah, I was about to say. I- <laughs> it, it basically says him watching these tapes is whatever this person had is somehow like transferring to him, which I mean, I guess the whole point is it's, it's a creepy asylum and this is like a supernatural thing that's affecting him or whatever. So that part isn't necessarily like real, but like the psychological aspect of everything that's going on definitely is. And it kind of hits all those notes. And even today when I watch that movie, I'm like, I know I'm going to regret this later because I'm like, well, what if I'm, what if I'm developing some personality that I don't know about? And then I just like make myself, that's the part where I'm saying I make myself go crazy because I'm, it just, it affects me in a way that I don't really think it has that much of an impact on, on a lot of other people. And it's not necessarily scary. It's more just, it has a playing a, a, a horror game or playing a, or, or watching a psychological movie or game or whatever has a negative effect on my sleeping patterns, which really I just don't care for. Yeah. And I mean, that's fair. And I see, I'm kind of in a weird position because I'm almost exactly the opposite of what you're describing, which is movies, TV shows, all that stuff that tries to be scary. Hate it. Can't stand it. I don't know why. Video games, horror games, all about them. I have no idea what it is, but for whatever reason, and I uh, honestly, the best explanation I've ever been able to come up with over the years is the act of playing the game disconnects me from the horror in a way that just sitting there passively watching does not. And you would think it would be the opposite because when I play it, I would get more involved in it. But instead I think about it like a game because I'm like, Oh, well that was a mistake. Uh, let me try again and do something different or whatever. Cause there's always that thought in the back of my head of, you know, well, I died. I wasn't supposed to die. So I messed up. It's not a scary thing. It's just a, oops, I messed up. Well, and so that's why site pathologic two really had no effect on me. The, really, the thing is, the the older I've gotten, the less of an impact horror stuff has actually had on me because I just don't care anymore. <laughs> it's just like, okay, so if a murderer comes in at night, so be it. <laughs> that, that I'm, sounds, I'm ready. Just just come to it. <laughs> that sounds so morbid, but it's just like, you know what? If someone wants to break into my house and they want to kill me that bad, I, I guess it's my time to go. There's nothing. What am I going to do about it? if I'm asleep? Someone's just going to come in and like stab, stab, stab. And I'll be like, oh, uh, wait, well, this is getting a little dark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was to be expected with a game like Pathologic. Like we kind of knew what we were getting into with this one. But <laughs> well, yeah, but I'm talking about someone coming into my house and like cutting me in my sleep. I mean, yeah, that's a little. um now, I guess the real question is, is that person a doctor harvesting your organs? Because now we're tying it back to pathologic. That's the thing. If somebody else needs my organs more than I do, <laughs> who am I to say <laughs> no? So to go back to the, like, yeah, what truly makes horror, this was a discussion we actually had pretty heavily, uh, both on Twitter and especially on the Video Games Cover to Cover Discord, because we knew we were going to be playing this. 
And because we had had this conversation, I thought it would be interesting to get other people's takes on it. And it was mostly because we were so diametrically opposed as far as like, we're basically polar opposites in this effect. Yeah. And yet, interestingly, neither one of us really, it really didn't have much of an effect on either one of us, despite being polar opposites. So that kind of says something about the game, I feel like, and that it does a really good job at what it's trying to do. And what it's trying to do isn't specifically to scare you. And so that's, that's what it is right there. Once I was able to relate everything in the game to essentially a metaphor, because that's really all it is. Every single thing that happens in this game is, it, it, it is almost like a metaphor for things that are going on in real life. Like the, I, I, I think they were referred to as the step people. Pretty much all of them look very creepy or like there's something wrong. And like the women are basically, that, that was the one part that I was kind of like, why do all the step men basically look, I don't want to say grotesque because they don't, but they look very not human. Yeah, it, it definitely has some implications of them being, like, in, in terms of appearance, almost like a completely different species. Uh, but yeah, like, it, it's almost weird because they're, they're almost very smooth and blank. Like, their faces almost just don't have any detail to them. But the women are. Yeah. The women are basically, like, hyper-sexualized almost, which is I kind of had a problem with. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. That part was that a little strange. that kind of destroys the metaphor. I'm not sure that it destroys the metaphor because I think there is a certain amount of, mm, I guess, like, when you look at metaphors of other things, I mean, there's kind of a reason why, like, Jessica Rabbit looked the way she did when Roger Rabbit looked like a rabbit. It's the same basic metaphor going on. Yeah, but but really, though, because these the step people are basically meant to be, at least what I got about it, is the, the poor people that nobody really cared about. Yeah. To, to hypersexualize somebody that nobody really cares about seems like the opposite of what you're trying to go for. Because everybody gravitated to Jessica Rabbit for obvious reasons. The whole point, like, this game is basically saying that all of these people, people are gravitating away from I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a fair point. I, I think when you take extend the metaphor, it's it was meant more to be about, like, this is just kind of how people, how, how I guess... I don't want to use the words normal people, but I mean, like, the people that are presented as normal in the town in terms of their appearance. I, the I kind the of think normal people of the town are basically the ones that are destroying everything, which, right, great job, game, because humans really just are destroying everything. Yeah. It just seemed odd that the step men, and, and, and I guess, I guess it's just a different metaphor. I mean, because... Like I said, that's how generally people treat women normally. Yeah, exactly. As horrible as that is to say, I mean, look at media these days. Everybody objectifies women to a ridiculous degree. And Not even really these days. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's pretty much always been the case, unfortunately. Well, except when they weren't allowed to show ankles or whatever. Yes, but then... Although I guess that that's that a different hypersexualized because it's... Oh, these men won't be able to handle themselves if they see an ankle. Exactly. It's basically coming back around to, you know, and, and and not only that, but it's implying that it's women's fault that the men can't control themselves, which is why they have to cover themselves up. Which is just a whole other can of worms that really, really makes me angry. But like, I, like you were saying about metaphors, yeah, that's just kind of, 
how I was taking so, it. As- so this game starts out. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah, when let's just go to that. We the the game starts out with us on a uh, in Brain. like this movie theater set. Oh right, stage. yeah, the theater. And it almost seems like this whole game is taking place as some sort of an elaborate play. Yes, which the first one very much does something similar with that, where actually in the first game, where you had three characters to pick from, the game opens with them all standing on stage, basically giving like a a monologue about their own personal philosophies, and then that was what you listened to before you chose which one you wanted to be. And when you're, you, you're, you, you talk to this guy called immortal yeah which is not even slightly subtle right (laughs) (laughs) could you be possibly any more obvious and then you have these creepy raven people which is why which is this is where i was kind of like when i first see all these raven bird death creatures i'm like okay andrew like this is definitely horror i don't know what you're talking about so it's clearly meant to be horror So, I mean, those people are clearly modeled after the old plague doctors from medieval times, given the theme of the game is about, you know, a virus or some mysterious ailment that is affecting. They're meant to represent death. Well, yes, but like the plague doctors have an association with death, but like they have a similar like bird mask and stuff. That was what they wore, because back in the day, that was how they tried to prevent getting infected by patients they were treating. By wearing a bird mask? Yes. Well, the idea was they stuffed like herbs and other things in the beak part of the mask so that it would like basically it was basically a, the first attempted idea at something like a gas mask where they were filtering the air before they breathed it in that's kind of interesting but could they have made it less creepy looking oh i mean yeah obviously but like that's where that association came from and that's why like it could be like if you look up like plague doctors online they have a very like historical pictures they have a very similar I'm good <laughs> You know, I think I can go through life and and not really worry about what they look like. I mean, the ones in the game definitely are intentionally designed to be a little creepier, but that's obviously what they were, at least to me, that was the obvious thing they were trying to associate with, was that invoke that. So you get, you you, you see all these death plague doctor creatures, and, well, specifically one, and and you kind of have a conversation. So you have a conversation with a mortal who's basically just tells you that you suck and you've done a terrible job. Yeah. Essentially, you're on day 12 of this whole experience and you've already screwed up royally. Yeah, it basically flashes you forward to the bad ending when you start the game, for lack of a better way to describe it. And so then you are, you walk through this town where it's real bad, there's dead people everywhere, the town is basically acting like one giant mob i i think the military came the in military is were, there yes and they have flamethrowers and stuff because they're trying to burn out the virus yes and so it, it's a real bad situation it, it's day 12 and you've royally messed up yeah like this was pretty clearly from the beginning like this is this is what will happen if you're really bad at your job doctor and it, it, it the, at first it wasn't really I, I wasn't really clear on the fact that, like, if I was a doctor or not, I oh, guess. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I had just missed something. It wasn't until the game kind of started up and, and the option was, I'm a doctor. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I'm a doctor. <laughs> I mean, I knew that, but I also, like, knew that going into Pathologic because I haven't played the first one, but I was familiar enough with it, have watched multiple videos about it because I always thought it, found it really fascinating and the thing it tries to do. 
And so that was part of why this was immediately my choice. And I even I remember when I even uh, first thought of it, the text message I sent was, how much would you hate me if I pick Pathologic 2 for my game this time? <laughs> if I remember correctly, it was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do want to go ahead and point, before we move on, I do want to go ahead and say that we did not beat the game, at least I didn't. No. And we don't plan on any heavy game spoilers outside of the first couple of days. Just like, just like with our previous one shots, our policy with this was essentially we got as far as we could in the context of the week and had enough to talk about. But just like with like the Outer Wilds, for example, that we did not get a chance to finish when we played it. Like at some point, I personally would like to go back and finish it because I was enjoying it in a weird sort of way. But wait. You weren't just enjoying it. You were enjoying it in a weird way. Well, I mean, it's weird in the sense that, like, enjoy feels like the wrong thing to say about that kind of experience. You know what I mean? Like, no, Not necessarily, because it could be... I guess it, that you enjoy it in the same way you enjoy, like, a really serious drama of a movie Yeah, in, in, a, in, a, in a sense, it could be therapeutic because it gets you to reflect on your own life and decisions that you've made. Yes. And that's that right there is the reason why it stopped being a horror game for me and it more became a like just a a serious thought provoking game just set in a a, a creepy esque setting now maybe if oh, i yeah. had gotten to day 12 and i like royally messed up i would have been like this sucks <laughs> yeah exactly uh, i mean i'm sure it gets really even when you're doing well i'm sure it gets progressively worse as the days go on just like the first game did but From what I not, understand, you're going to lose people no matter what, and you essentially, each time you play through the game, you just pick and choose who you're actually going to save, because if you save one person, then you can't save another. And depending on who yeah. you don't save, different things happen. Yes, it's very much a matter of trying to you know do the best you can with your limited time and resources, understanding full well you're not going to be able to save everyone is actually the most important person to save and you know the sort of reflection of even if this person is like for example if this person might be more useful directly do i really want to let the sick kids you know suffer or whatever like those are the sorts of things pathologic loves to throw at you yeah and, and it's uh, kind of what sort of person are you when you have to make these kinds of decisions and the the so so i guess to continue a little bit uh from from where we were at at least from the from the beginning, yeah, you kind of get thrown onto this train after you get to the end. You talk to a mortal again, and he fast forwards you to some random train. A after it implies like the bad ending of you basically talk to the surviving leaders of the town and the army, and they basically are like, "Yeah, it's hopeless. We're just going to bomb the whole city." Yeah, which is super bad and right. Which the, it, the doctor's like, well, you only gave me 12 days. Are you kidding me? What did you expect? Yeah. He's like, I, no, I have a vaccine. I just need the time to make it. And it's like, you don't, we don't have time anymore. And so it's, then you get thrown, thrown onto a train and some random dude comes up to you in a coffin. <laughs> yeah. The coffin this just is falls all the, over in front of you. This is all the, this is all still the tutorial. Yes. And so after you talk to coffin guy. You, it, you, you get out on on the the train stops and you leave and there's this gigantic bull 
everything around you is on fire. Yeah. There's these bird things everywhere. And at, at this point, again, I'm like reflecting. I'm I'm sitting there with my phone, basically with angry emojis that I'm sending over to you, <laughs> you thinking, um, dude, you're you literally are like a psychopath. What is wrong with you? Yeah, this he, is very clearly horror. He texted me pictures of the like flaming bowl, and he's like, "Yeah, this totally looks like not horror to me." <laughs> I'm like, "Yes, man, you've got to be kidding me, Andrew! Like, what do you not get here? How do you not understand that this is and, very clearly supposed to be scary?" And I definitely will not deny that the opening segments made my argument really difficult, and I was definitely sitting there thinking. Maybe this is totally a lot different than I thought it was. And then you 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 talk to them, you essentially die because I said that I was gonna walk because I needed to get to town because my yes. father had sent me a letter. All of this kind of kicked off because your your doctor father sends you a letter, an ominous letter that basically says something is going down and I need, you need to come home. Yeah. And yeah, you, you they say to walk, uh or and the birds point you to, towards this and are like, hey, uh, you should walk towards that big cloud of black stuff, which immediately kills you. Oh, yeah, because it's the plague or whatever it is. Yeah, it's definitely like the the representation of the virus. And so then you're talking to the train guy again. And this dude is weird. <laughs> <laughs> to put it mildly, I was convinced because another conversation that we had, I was like, did you, like, try to make a deal with the trade guy or something? Because that seemed really sketchy to me. And in hindsight, I'm not sure where I got the impression he was making a deal. But I just something about what he said gave me, like, a really, I don't know. He gave me a real, um, like, death from Red Dead Redemption vibe. <laughs> if you die too many times in town and get dragged to the warehouse, he essentially actually makes a deal with you. Where oh. you can basically say, yeah, I'm immune to the effects of death now, but oh. it comes at a cost. And, and oh. I think you could probably guess what that cost is, because it's not great. Yeah, I mean, pretty much anything in that situation is going to end badly. Uh, you, I, I, I guess I'm glad that I only, I think I only died once? I only died once, and it was in a part where I, I, I didn't have a choice. That is the one thing that, that kind of... One of the things that annoys me in this in, in 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 games is where it puts you in a situation where in 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 one section of the game, I think it's the first time you actually get to sleep. You wake up and you're back where those three people at the beginning of the game are are basically attacking you. So, I guess let's get to that part first. You you oh, get yeah, to yeah. town, and three dudes immediately attack you, but it fast forwards to you have already defeated them. Yeah, and you're, like, wounded, but alive, and none of them are. And so, later on, in, in in day one, basically the first time you ever have the opportunity to sleep... Which is kind of an entire objective on its own, by the way, is where can I possibly go, because nobody seems to want me here. Everything is an objective. Getting food is an objective. Getting water is an objective. Finding a place to sleep is an, obje is an uh, objective. I thought I was going to get a place to to sleep when I went to Ruben's house. No, I'm introduced to the bachelor who is a, a giant doucher. And yes, yes. I, uh, I was like, cool. So I guess I'm not going to get to sleep here. Who is specifically the reason why he's, he's such a 
annoying person is he's also a doctor, but he's the big city doctor who came and has his degree and is convinced that he knows more than you and everybody else. And you should just shut up and let him do what he wants and be his like gopher and not try to do anything on your own because he's obviously smarter than you and is going to fix everything. Well, and that's the thing. I think you are actually playing a, do- a, a surgeon who is in the process of obtaining his degree. Yes. Uh, he actually mentions at one point that he had gone to school and then was interrupted by the war, which they didn't really specify what war. You know, it's probably a fictional war, obviously, since this is a fictional setting. That basically he had, was in the process of medical school and then it sounded like he got drafted or something and he didn't get to finish. Yeah. And and so you 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 talk to this bachelor guy who basically says, "Oh, by the way, you owe me now because I've smoothed things over with Ruben. Yeah. He'll he'll let you stay here or something." Which I thought was interesting because I couldn't actually. Were you able to sleep there? Because I didn't get to sleep until no Laura's house. Yeah, no, no, no. Or gravel, I guess. There's a couple of places that I found I could sleep, but no, Ruben's house was not one of them. Well, you you actually get a place to sleep on day two. Yes, the first part but I mean, like two. on on the first day, there were two different places I was able to find a bed. Yeah, I found a bed at Gravel. I, I guess Laura. Laura. Yeah. Sometimes he calls her Gravel. That's the other thing. I think Gravel's her last name. What, what kind of like they have different names and different sayings for people throughout this whole thing? That I'm just like, I wish there was a little bit more explanation. Yeah, it, it all has that very much like small town vibe where it's like everybody knows everybody and they all have like their in ways to refer to each other. And now you're an outsider because you left town. And so like you don't necessarily get it anymore. Yeah. And they, they kind of almost have their own language in a sense. Yeah. That you you're just expected to not understand. Yeah. And again, the multiple people make references to, well, you know, you used to be part of the community, but now you're not. But the thing is, the I guess correct decisions, which are the ones that are basically saying a a small prayer or something to the person as they, at least the step people, um, as they go along, are there. You just don't really know if you're supposed to pick them or not until you get the information to. So it's even there in the beginning because half the time when I chose those things, I only chose them because the other option was him being like a, a, a wild jerk about something like hey you stupid kid what's wrong with you that's not if i was in a situation where i was going back to my hometown and everybody was acting strange and basically murdering people in the streets because they they don't know basically they know something is wrong but they don't know how it it, all of them are essentially toddlers yeah they're i mean they're basically under mob mentality something is wrong and we're going to try to fix it and they don't know how they can fix it and so they just they they immediately res- resort to to violence. My 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 wife actually works in in daycare, and she said a lot of times when kids do not know how to express themselves, they eventually get frustrated, and a lot of times that will lead to like a kid biting another kid, like nothing serious, but like you know pushing another kid down or something like that because they just don't know how to. They don't have the words to express themselves in a reasonable way and so they're like i i don't know what else i can do basically i know that biting me hurts so i'm gonna bite this other person because it's like i want they're trying to alter their behavior but they just don't know how to do it with words so they do it with violence instead and it's 
it's just like that baser human instinct of, well, I, I just need to fix it. I need to fix it now. And this guy is weird to me, so I'm going to kill him. Yeah. And that's because like, it's not like it's just you. Like they go after, again, like the, the step people and things like that. Basically, anybody that they see as, you know, an outsider because it must be someone from a quote, not someone in our in group. It has to be somebody from outside who's causing the problems. Like most humans in the real world situations tragically tend to do. So, what. One interesting thing that I found, and 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 that's why the more of these metaphors that, it, and, and then the creepy all black Slenderman looking people, the they um are dressed very much like to continue the the theater metaphor. They look like the people who work backstage in the theater because they almost always wear all black so that you don't notice them when they're moving around and stuff because you pay attention to the actors. Mm-hmm. And they are they represent people's thoughts. Yeah, they represent how people actually feel. And then when when you a lot sometimes after you talk to a main character, uh, they'll have one of those people right there with them. And and then you get a better idea. And it's almost always after you've already had the conversation. Like one of your old friends basically becomes he tries to become like a crime lord. Yeah, and his inner thoughts are all I've now. Because I wanted this so badly, I'm now here and I don't know what to do because all of this is getting out of hand. Yeah, like this is not working out the way I wanted to put it mildly, but I don't know how to deal with it. Because when you first get into town, after you find out that your father has actually died. Which is actually also why you were getting attacked. Yes, they thought that you were the murderer for some reason, even though you had just come into town. Uh, I believe when you talk to the executors, the the plague doctor-like people in the area, they specifically mentioned they thought you were trying to escape yeah. and not getting there. And that's why they, they were waiting you. for somebody else and you just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. They were waiting for the murderer to leave and it just so happens. I I mean, I guess were they just, I again, mob mentality or whatever, but are they so well, stupid as to not see the train coming in? Because yeah. there was a child there who was actually in a, a dog costume. Mask. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was a dog specifically, yes. And he basically says, yeah, you know, I saw all that happen. He, he kind of refers to you as a murderer. But then when you're like, what are you talking about? It was self-defense. Like, they just attacked me. He's like, yeah, I know. It doesn't make it doesn't that doesn't excuse the fact that you killed them. But yeah, I mean, I know that it was self-defense. Yeah. And then he kind of warns you that no one else in town is going to understand that, though. And he's not wrong. Because nobody does. At least at first. So when you get to the... After after you find out, you, you talk to that whole crowd of people and everything, and, you, and you're going through and you're walking through town, you actually see two guys who have recently murdered a stepgirl. Yeah. And... Then they kind of make excuses about it. Well, later on, when you talk to your one of your friends from the warehouse, the guy who's trying to be a um, the, the a gangster, gangster guy, yeah, he one of the things that his inner self says is, "This is all getting out of hand. I don't know if my guys were the one that did it, but if they did, I that's super not okay, and this is not what I wanted." Yeah, and I, I thought the metaphor of having those things represent people's thoughts was really interesting because, you know, again, to to go back to the theater metaphor, it's like you're looking behind the curtain and seeing the things that you don't normally see. Mm -hmm. 
and obviously this this game has a lot to do about theaters. Like, did you uh, did you go to the play? You have to. You, oh, the you story do? doesn't continue otherwise. Well, oh. there's there's a there is a a guide online because I mean, if people haven't figured it out by now, I always look for a guide. Uh, one of the best things that it says is if you want to do well in the game, try to always be at either the theater or the town hall at midnight. Okay. You have to see the play. You don't have a choice because at the end of day one, at least I don't think you have a choice at the end of day one, your only task is go to the the play and there is no other Task. I just wonder, like, if you had gone back to bed or something instead, could you skip it? I don't know, but since Immortal is there, I don't think you're supposed to. I, oh no, definitely the play not. Is like, I mean, something you're supposed to do, and it's clearly very like meant because on the first night, the play is supposed to be you talking about your the situation you've gotten into. Yeah, nighttime is uh, certainly something. <laughs> yeah, you know what I really wish. I couldn't figure out how to do it yet, but the one thing that I absolutely needed was a way to extend my inventory. Yes. Yeah, you fill up really fast. I mostly just went to shops a lot and dumped a bunch of stuff, which is probably gonna, I'm probably going to regret. But Yeah, I trade everything, and I've been saving on to certain things that I know are worth a lot of money. So on like day I- six, I think pocket watches are worth like 1600 Oh, wow. And they're worth four hundred the first day. This day two, I think it was worth like six hundred or eight hundred something. So I I have a pocket watch that I've been holding on to because I know that it's going to be worth more later. I, I think you can stick um, put stuff like back in the drawers and stuff though, like in your in the safe houses, and then they'll be there. Yes, except every so so I actually looted Ruben's house on day one. Yeah, me too. I loot I looted every house I was in. Oh. That super decreases your standing with the people around you. Yeah. You know how it says at the bottom, like, area X, everyone yeah, yeah. hates you, or nobody likes you, or they distrust yep. you? It's going into people's houses and stealing stuff. Oh, I didn't go into, like, the houses that were claimed to be owned by somebody. I just, But, like, any time I went into a building, I was like, oh, that's mine now. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely not supposed to do that. Yeah, probably. If you, if you find junk in trash cans and stuff, that's people have thrown it away. But when you're talking about going into there are certain spot like there are certain treasure boxes throughout the town that I don't believe have any impact on your standing. Oh, yeah, yeah, like the treasure chests. But things, looting yeah. from Ruben's house like actually gives a reputation debuff because of it. Oh. I mean at that point everybody hated me anyway. Um, because of the events that were going on in day one, so I didn't really notice. Well, I think it's also possible to really screw up and still have everybody hate you after day one. Oh, I see. I, I, I think, so. like, if you're a jerk to everybody and yeah, basically... Yeah, I got to the one event in day one, like, things were going pretty well again. Once you get, once you talk to Laura... Is it Laura, or do you have to just visit all three of them? I don't know. Laura's just the last person I talked to, so maybe it was after her. But yeah, s- I talked same, to her last way. because I needed to sleep, and I happened to. It said that she had a bed, so that's the first. That's the very last place I went. Yeah, I was getting really tired. I'm like, I bet. I hope she has somewhere to go because I'm like going to pass out here. <laughs> Did you but, see the lady outside, the topless the, woman the, by the tree, who you pour blood on the tree and it gives you herbs? Yeah. yeah. Well, those herbs are pretty important. 
So I guess you better gather some more blood. How'd you uh, handle the surgery on day one? I thought I was going to be helping. I very much did not. Oh, yeah. That guy says, oh, by the way, bring me any organs that you don't need or that he doesn't need them. I'm sitting there thinking, pretty sure the guy needs all of his organs. Yeah, like, what? (laughs) What are you talking about? Well, so I actually... Were, were you able to harvest any organs? I got one of them, and I also got his blood. So I got his blood, and I got an organ. I almost wanted to reload and see if you fixed it to the point where you could get an organ, but didn't take it out, if that would actually like help, help him. I didn't know if it was possible to actually save that guy, and I also found out that he was he definitely murdered that girl, so I honestly didn't really care to save him anyway. But then yeah. his friend immediately attacks you, and so I'm like, okay, stab, stab, stab. With the scalpel, yeah. Well, I did. Goodbye. I actually had a knife at that point. When I went to see them, I had a, 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 a straight-up knife. And so oh, wait, I, I might knife- have too, because you get a knife at Laura's house, don't you? Yeah, and I actually did them. They were the absolute last thing on day one that I did, outside of obviously going to the theater, because I didn't... I, first of all, the only scalpel that I could find was rusty ones. Yeah, like, well, that's the rusty one that he um, he gives you, I believe. Well, I actually found another go, one, oh. and it was rusty. Oh, I got a really good one, but I think that was on day two. I did too, on day two. I think it's one of the things that your father gives you. Yeah. Leaves. Oh, no, I got it before I went to see uh, my dad, too. I had So I had a couple. Oh, well, I only ever had one. Well, at least I only have one at the moment. I also have... Zero in my entire inventory space is taken up by stuff. Yes, because every single time I would see one of those, see the kids that have the packages. I, I, I also, I've been trying to figure out what is the metaphor for all the kids wanting knives. Yeah, I know it's because in town the kids are essentially not. It, it's actually against the law for them to have knives and stuff. And there's that little, like, gang of kids that's clearly, like, trying to sort of take matters into their own hands, for lack of a better word. Yeah, they want to kill that one dog kid. Because he killed their imaginary friends, I think, was what was going on? He essentially killed their dogs. The question I have about that is, were their dogs basically, like, like, did he actually kill other kids that were just dressed up as dogs? Because he's dressed up as a dog? Is that supposed to be some sort of metaphor of, like, he actually killed their friends or something? Like, maybe their friends attacked him and in self-defense he killed them? I don't know. I never really got to the bottom of it. Because when they told me to kind of go out there, he kind of heavily implies that he definitely did. Did you give him the leash or not? Um, They never actually sent me out there, probably because I gave different answers. Oh. So you didn't even get to go talk to him? No. Okay. Well, those kids definitely don't like you. They don't like me either because I didn't give them the leash. Which sig- Basically, they they leave his life in your hands. And yeah. if you go up there, because what I did is when they were talking to me about it, I basically said, murder is always bad. I, yes, I did murder some people, but I did it in self-defense. That still doesn't make it right. And because of the options that I chose, they, I guess, apparently trusted my decision. And they essentially said, you need to go out and talk to this guy for yourself. Because if you actually talk to him, you're going to hate him just as much as we do. And I was like, oh, okay. 
I guess. And so I agreed to go talk to them and they basically give me this leash and they said, if you, if you give him this leash, that will tell us that you also think he's bad. And even though you've already told, you've all, we've already determined that murder is bad, we'll be, we'll find a way. Basically, they're like, okay, so if you You're give him this like leaf, we're going to murder this him. guy. Yeah. Even though we've already established that murder is bad and you should never do it for any reason. <laughs> yeah, no, it, with me, they basically were just like, uh, I don't remember the exact choices I made. I think I may have told them that it was okay in self-defense. Which is probably why they changed. They they did something different because they were they basically were like, yeah, go away. We're gonna take we'll take care of this ourselves, and that was the end of the conversation. Oh, okay. So basically, you said, oh yeah, it's totally okay to murder as long as it's in self defense. I specifically told them it is never okay to murder, no matter the circumstance. And basically, the way you explain it to them is, you can you can defend yourself, but try not to murder people in the process. And they said, oh, okay, well, basically, the way I understood it is if you told them it's okay to murder in self-defense, they immediately are like, okay, well, you're a hypocrite. And if you've told me that murder's bad, but it murder's good in this scenario, basically, you're a hypocrite and you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, that's pretty much exactly what they told me. And so I said, no, murder is always bad, no matter the situation. And they're like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. We'll trust your judgment on this kid then. Well, I specifically didn't give him the the leash. And even in the guide, it says, it says, well, first of all, it, it, it's funny because it starts off, it's like day one, always steal from Ruben because like the reputation hit doesn't even matter that much. Well, yeah, because the, about the money anyway. is way more important. But he also says it's really not good to have those it's really beneficial for you to not have those kids hate you. So you probably want to give the leash to the dog. And I'm like, Oh, well, I'm super not okay with them killing this kid, whether he did something wrong or not. These kids should not be like the adults taking the law into their own hands. Yeah. So I wasn't going to do that anyway. Like it might be more optimal to let the kids do whatever they want, but no. Well, yeah. And again, like the, that's, basically what pathology is all about right like what benefits you the most versus what does your conscience say and so the the guys so this is this is actually somewhat important the reason those guys murdered that girl is because they said she was some they thought she was some fake i i can't person. remember the word they it was used like a, like a golem like a fake person that yes was basically brought to life which because you know golems are a thing in in folklore already which so that's basically what i associated it with they said, well, she had bone legs and a clay face or something. She basically, basically they were, they were convinced that she was some monster. And right. so they killed her. In day two, you have, when you're walking back from your father's funeral, there's a section where these, these little kids are playing. Mm -hmm. This girl has a cow bone thing, this tiny little girl, and she's kind of hiding her face behind it. Yeah. Her face behind it. Which I don't know if you saw, but there was a, there's a lady in day one that does something like an adult that does something very similar. Yes, and people run away from her. Right, and people are running away from this girl as well. 
And when she says something, she says, oh, well, I'm the bone person and you're just supposed to run away from me because I'm a monster. Basically, these kids have grown up and these stories that they these games that they used to play, it's like no different than, I guess, you know, playing cops and robbers as kids. Like, I'm the bad guy. You're the good guy. It almost seems like the adults are taking that and like. Well, these monsters are real because I yeah. don't understand what else is happening in this town. Because basically nobody can come to terms. Somebody killed your father. Everyone in town had a unbelievable amount of respect for your father. Or at least they say they do. So they essentially are so baffled that anyone would do this. They're under the impression that what well, a it monster had to, yeah. had to have done. it. Because, yeah, he's the only doctor in town. They establish that very quickly other than like the bachelors here now, but like, and the lady that we didn't bring up at all. Who's in Laura's house. Oh yeah. She was weird. Yeah. I, I don't, what was she, what was she called? Like the, um, the, Oh God. Shapeshifter. Um, I think her, her uh, name was specific. It said, I don't know what she called herself, but when it came up, it said like shapeshifter, I think, or chameleon or something. And I, I thought that was it, very strange. Yeah, uh, something like Chameleon. Uh, hang on, I'm trying to check as well, because yeah, it was a very weird name. The Bachelor was obvious because he has a bachelor's degree in medicine. They, they make that very clear from the beginning. Um, it, it kind of implied that she, I want to say it's Shapeshifter, and the reason for that is I think the, the, I think the metaphor for her name is essentially she becomes whatever she needs to to get what she wants. Yeah, that's kind of um, that, that, that's pretty much how I understand it as well. Changeling, that was what she was called. Changeling. Okay, yeah, same thing. She she basically just becomes whatever she needs to at the time to get what she wants, and her personality shifts with that. She's very when she talks to you, she's basically convincing you that you have to leave whereas the bachelor is saying you basically just have to do whatever i want she's essentially saying uh get out because i'm dealing with this yeah i mean both of them yeah, are basically like you don't know what you're doing i'm doing it but they have very different reactions yeah because she wants you to basically just stay out of the way you'll only make things worse and the bachelor's like no you can help but you only only if you do exactly what i tell you yeah, because the you he he specifically refers to you as useful, but only if you do as you're told. Yeah, like I'm pretty sure his implication being well, you at least have some medical training, so you know you probably can be my assistant or something. Which, when you get to the very end of the day, both of them are at the end of the table in in day twelve. Yeah, both of them are at the end of the table, and she essentially says, "Hey, you're an idiot. You suck. This is all your fault. We're burning everything down." And he's basically like, see, stupid? Obviously. Oops. Oh, was that supposed to be them? Like the two people you talked to? I thought they were different people. No, I'm pretty sure that the- was supposed to be them. He, his name was The Bachelor. Oh, was it? That was definitely in- him. I knew they were in the theater at the beginning, and they both blow you off. Like it, it, on day 12, where all the... Because in the bad theater, like a bunch of bodies have been stacked in there and stuff. But... I don't remember um, what her name was at the end of when you get to that know, table it, or whatever. It, it's but right there, I right know you that his reset, was yeah. the bachelor. Oh, okay. Then maybe it was. I just for some. I guess I thought they were different people because I thought he was supposed. To, I thought the guy was supposed to be like the commander of the army. 
which maybe that's what the bachelor winds up doing if you let him do what he wants. I think the commander, I know you do talk to a commander, but I swear the bachelor was there. Maybe. So, maybe so I actually I just could be misremembering. I actually had, I actually replayed it again. The, the beginning because Andrew had said earlier in the episode that he was convinced that there was a deal. And I was like, he, he convinced me so much that there actually was a deal that I was like, no, 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 I don't want to make a deal with that guy. And then I went back and played it all again. And then I was like, Andrew, oh, what are you talking about? There is no deal. You don't I, make I, a deal I, with the guy. It was he just asking something he if you want to play a game. Maybe that's what I took it from and it got and it got concerned because he was like giving me such a weird vibe. Oh, yeah. He was definitely meant to give you a weird vibe. Right. So maybe it, maybe I saw the game thing and like took that in a different way. But yeah, you very well could be right, especially since you replayed it. I just didn't I wasn't under the impression it was them. But regardless, I mean, yeah, that's basically how they treat you even on day one is shut up, dummy. We're, I'm doing this. Get out of my way. Because I thought the commander was actually outside. There is a guy you talked to outside who was commanding some people, yes. But I thought he was supposed to be like, I thought the guy at the table at the end was literally like the general or whoever that had come and was in charge of this whole military thing. It's it's possible, but I I, I want to say I know that I saw the, both of them again uh, because it there was a girl, be. there was a girl and a guy there. Yes, and there's and a girl and a guy doctor, and basically these two people were the last line of defense, which is why I want to say it was those two. And and like I said, you very well could be right. I I didn't think it was, but I could have just not re- registered properly that that was who it was supposed to be again. Maybe because you know I just walked through this town and I left them back in the theater. Even though obviously this is a surreal dream thing, and it that does not possibly exclude that they couldn't have also been there. So you very well could be right. Well, and I also, I mean, I've been, I know it's hard to believe, but I have been wrong before. <laughs> um, you know, it doesn't happen often, but it it has happened from time to time. It does occasionally happen that Chris makes a mistake, but rare. I know it. it it's so it's you wouldn't think it, but it happens. <laughs> but yeah, like you said, the uh, changeling is like, yeah, get out of my way. D- you're you're an idiot who's going to cause problems. And the bachelor's was like, please help, uh, help me, but don't do anything else because you'll make it worse. Yeah. And, and did you actually, so day two, you actually get the opportunity to talk to Ruben. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because in day one, I don't think he comes home at all the whole day and you can just meet the bachelor. But yeah. And Laura... So 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 after your father's funeral, you basically get the decision to take on his his work. Yeah, which it it also kind of implies that your dad may not have been as great as everybody says he was. Yeah, because it talks about how when your dad first came to this town, he was called because there was a plague, and he quarantined. A quarter of the town, I even if the healthy, even the healthy people couldn't leave that section, and it kind of implies most of the town died because of his decision. Which, first of all, that's not a good sign that we're having another plague that quickly. Second of all, I wonder if his, I wonder if his dad is supposed to be the guy from the first game. Uh, what do you mean? Like, I mean. So some of the characters are reused because, like, The Bachelor and The Changeling and stuff, like, there, there, there were characters with those names in the first game, and it's generally a retelling, but if the, as I understand it, but if, you know, they're talking about your dad came to town because of a plague and stuff, too, then maybe he's supposed to be one of the doctors from the first game. That wouldn't make a whole lot of sense because it, 
kind of implies. I kind of got the impression that the bachelor and the girl was not that much older than you. Well, yeah, I know. I, I mean, could like, be I, wrong on that, but that I don't think it. I, I am just saying, like, they could have just had some, the same titles or whatever, but because they're they're definitely they definitely didn't look old enough to be parents. No, no, no. Yeah, they, I mean, the changeling looks like she's like a teenager, not even old enough to have gone to medical school. I know, and so that's why I was kind of saying, like, it. Are you sure? Because if they're if they're both from the first game, I, well, I don't know if they're both. From the, I mean, there were people with those titles in the first game, but in general, you know, it's framed as supposedly like a retelling. Where, but you could pick between who of the three of them you wanted to play as in the first game. Whereas maybe eventually you'll get to do that because I know the DLC that is out lets you play as the Bachelor now if you have the DLC. Oh, cool! But, so I guess if I want to play an evil run where I'm a <laughs> jerk to everybody. I can pick up that DLC. Like, you suck. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm so much better than you. And then you, like, spit in the face of all the step people. Like, what? <laughs> you ugly garbage person. What are you doing? Get away from me. Well, like, in in the first game, The Bachelor was, consi- was the easiest of the three characters. Really? Yes, because he got along really well with, like, the rich people in town. So he always had supplies and places to stay in the city and things like that. Oh. Because he's that kind of person who is clearly a high society snob. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And one of the things about the first game was that all, each of the three characters basically finds a different solution to the disease, assuming, you know, you do well enough to get their good ending. And they all, basically the other two are just constantly screwing up. <laughs> and you have to go deal, like, I mean, you don't have to, but like, they're constantly getting in situations where you basically... Uh, they're making things worse, more or less. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're constantly making stuff worse for me now, so yeah, it, it's kind of status quo from that perspective. So presumably, if you get the DLC and play as The Bachelor, the guy we're playing as right now would be doing something similar. He'd probably, like, like from The Bachelor's perspective, you're a murderer. Right, yeah, he's probably, from The Bachelor's perspective, he probably is literally just going around stabbing people and stealing their body parts. Which, I mean... Here's the thing. You have the option to do that. Yes. Anyone that you attack or attacks you, you have the option to perform surgery on and steal their organs and then sell them to the dead guy at night. Or to the, the um, there's another guy and like has a black market thing. Yeah, your friend. Your, your, your friend, there's a guy in there that yeah. basically sells well, black market body parts. Organs, which yeah. really isn't a very lucrative money-making thing. I mean, if you've already got them, it's better than nothing, I guess. But yeah, like, I'm not going to go around and, and do that. Well, yeah. So once that, once his friend kind of attacked me, I just went ahead and I, I only cut him, the guy who murdered the girl and the surgery guy from the first game. I only cut him in the stomach at first because it specifically, your, your buddy says, hey, he's got something wrong with his stomach. And I was like, oh, okay. So let me do there. And as soon as I left the speech bubble, his guy's like, you killed him. What's wrong with you? What did you do? I'm like, I was just doing as I was told, man. Like, my buddy said he had something wrong with his stomach. So I was trying to figure it out. I I, I guess it makes sense that maybe you shouldn't have taken the stomach at that point. But I did. And uh, so after he after I did that and after he attacked me and I knifed him, then I was like, oh, well, while I'm here, I guess I'll go ahead and harvest all these organs. <laughs> yeah. 
Like, while I'm here... And go ahead and take that blood, because the, the trees are going to need that. Well, I didn't even know about that at the time. Oh, I know. Yeah, me either. But. Or wait, no, I did know about that. No, because that was after. Yeah, no, I didn't, because I did them before I... Because if I remember right, they were on the way between the warehouse and Laura or whatever her name was, so I stopped there. So I actually didn't know about the blood, but I was just like, I got all these bottles, I guess I'll take some blood with me. I'm sure I could use it for something. <laughs> yeah. Blood and bloody bandages are apparently... Blood you need for herbs. Right. Bloody bandages are apparently worth a lot of money. I don't know what that does That's to creepy. the dead guy. I, I, I think they're worth a lot in comparison because bloody bandages, I, I, I think for whatever reason, are, are kind of similar in worth to organs. Yeah. And they take up less inventory. When you say the dead guy, are you talking about the the salesman at night or are you talking about the organ sale seller? The sa- the salesman at night. Okay. Because you can also, you can also sell him your. It's the only place I figured out how to 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 sell or trade the broken morphine bottles. Yeah, yeah, because he'll take like all the random junk, and he, but what he always really wants is like basically like mementos of death and stuff. Uh huh. And so like Which, broken, so bloody bandages and broken morphine and yeah. blood is all worth a lot to him, and you can get some pretty decent stuff out of it. Yeah. He has some nice things. The economy in the game is really interesting because, like, you know, if you go to a store, they just want money like you would expect. But then you can just trade with random people and you get, like, the currency is, like, handshakes, which I think is just, like, a bar to represent bartering or whatever. But it's really interesting that they have this entire economy that exists independent of money on top of the store economy. Well, after day two, this person comes up to you and they give you a... One of those things you use for sewing a, a thimble. Yeah, a thimble. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I don't know if you did it because the conversation immediately ends, but she heavily implies she wants you to give her something. Yeah. I went into my inventory and there was only one thing that I could give her, but I just went ahead and did it. And then she immediately talked to me again and basically said, okay, thank you. You, you get it. You understand. And so after that point, every yeah. time I've traded with anybody – they give me an opportunity to be like, okay, well, thank you. And I say like, I give you my warmth or something. Basically, yeah, so just a little compliment. Yeah. They trust you more. If you frequently give them more. Yeah, so like better like, deals. Better deals. It raises it, your reputation. It does. And it makes people like you a lot more. And I mean, especially on day one, when you're like, when you first get out of the bad time, when everybody hates you, a lot of people still won't trade with you even. Yes, and it says trust too low to trade. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. The thing is, basically all the adults kind of trade food for random, some, sometimes random stuff. All the kids basically want anything that's sharp. Yeah, and there's some other things too, because I think they want like marbles and stuff too, like actual toys. Yeah, they want they want toys. And, and, and sharp objects. Yeah, hooks, knives. Scissors. Anything. Anything sharp, they're like, okay. We can use this the kids, for stabbing. The kids have some wild stuff, though. The kids have, they have, like, morphine. They have random packages that just give like, you a, a ton of stuff. They, they, the kids have way better stuff than the adults do. Yes. The kids all have all of the good stuff. I, I basically, when I trade with adults, I see whatever they'll happen to take for their sharp stuff. So then I can go to the kids and get the real items. Yeah. Yeah. The kids, 
like have like random herbs. I think I got for one of the kids. I'm pretty sure I got herbs that literally say this will cure the plague if you take it as soon as you get sick. What? Or no, it wasn't that. It was, but it's just like if you take it, it makes your it maxes your resistance bar out. That's what it was. Oh, okay. I was like, dude, you got the cure for the plague on the first day. Are you kidding me? Like that 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 has to be super broken. Well, I mean, I would assume it would just be like, hey, oops, I got infected. I'm going to eat this so that I don't die. <laughs> the but kids I- are just like, oh, by the way, we had the cure the whole time. The, when you get at, at the end of day 12, you get the, the cure for the plague on the very first day. At the end of day 12, you're like, the kids have it. We, we just need to get it from they Like, oh, the kids are fine. They've got it. When it, it was very, what was more unsettling about that whole first section is all the adults were essentially murdering each other yeah as you're walking by there's two kids one of them's one the little girl's playing like hopscotch the little boy is playing like jacks or something and i'm just sitting there thinking okay this is creepy and unsettling because the kids definitely shouldn't be there and then they were definitely had a shining moment a vibe because these two kids were standing in this section that you definitely couldn't get to and they were holding hands and i'm like okay this is terrible. I'm going to have fun playing this game. Oh, yeah, the, the kids that held hands. Yeah, that was a thing in the first game, too. Really? So, in the first game, and I don't know how much the two sticks with this, because it's leaning really heavy on, like, the theater motif, but, like, the really secret ending that you could only get if you'd beaten it with, like, I think with all three characters and gotten, like, the best ending for all of them, you basically could go talk to those kids and it turned out that basically the whole thing was like them playing in a sandbox and they were more or less like the gods of the world. And this is just them telling a story in the sandbox to entertain themselves. Wow. Yeah. That's not mega creepy at all. <laughs> Which is really funny because and I, the only reason I even know this is from some of the videos, because I've watched a lot of videos on Pathologic, which is part of why I decided I really wanted to do Pathologic 2 for this, because I found the game like really fascinating. Yeah, at my so expense. <laughs> yes, although it didn't wind up being as bad as you thought. <laughs> that doesn't excuse the fact that you originally wanted to torture me. Just because well, no, it didn't I... end up torturing me doesn't exclude you from... I, I, I will get back at you. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sure you will. I'm That's just okay, not doing it, it now. Because then we'll go into, you know, we'll just go into an endless cycle of basically picking games that are specifically just meant to irritate the other person. Oh, yeah. Because well, yeah. for a while I was like, okay, well, I'm basically going to make you play some random, you're going to have to play RimWorld or Subnautica or something, games that I know that you're definitely not really going to super enjoy, but you have to play because I tell you to. And yeah, I was and like, I was you like, know what? Like, no. I'm not going to do that because I respect Andrew's friendship. <laughs> Unlike you, Andrew, who doesn't respect mine. Also because you absolutely know that I would just be like, okay, we're going to play Bloodborne now. Oh, so wait, you're just going to lord that over me? No. So I, I have to play any game that you want, and I'm not allowed to have any sort of retaliation without you going, well, now you've got to play Bloodborne. No, I mean, if it's like a one-shot or whatever, then yeah, that's perfectly even. If you turn around and try to be like, yeah, we're going to play this whole log thing for, you know, 10 weeks or whatever, then yeah, well, we'll have to talk about that. <laughs> Just saying. Wow. Okay. You, so- you, you sound like The Bachelor right now, Andrew. But anyway, speaking of The Bachelor, to go back to what I was about to say before we got off topic. Which is the name I'm going to start referring you to as. Is 
like the kids, it was it's it's really funny apparently because if you go talk to the kids as the bachelor in the first game, uh, the little girl is like, "Oh, I remember you. You're always the mean one in the story." Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. And it's like you're not wrong, kid. So in that case, you're saying that you're the mean one of the podcast. I'm I'm on board for this. I can get <laughs> I can get on there. I can get on this train. <laughs> you are my antagonist. Okay, well, that means you have, that for everything to work out, you have to do what I tell you and be my assistant. I did. I played Pathologic 2. <laughs> right, and it worked out. And, and, right. and at the moment, I'm your assistant in this podcast. Exactly. I was right. It worked out. It'll only work out if the episode does well. Ah, uh, that's fair. We won't have the bad day. <laughs> we won't have the bad day 12, though. We'll have the good one. <laughs> I sure hope so. Yeah. But overall, like... I mean, I know you said it didn't wind up being nearly as bad as you thought it would be, but like, what? Did, how did you feel about the game? For as you know, I know you said you only got into like day two, and that's basically what I did too. I finished. We got through the first two days for the sake of this recording. How did you feel about it when you actually, like, when it's all said and done? So, so part of the problem is in the week of playing this game for our one shot, not to kind of bring anything down, but. As my, if this episode isn't already bringing everything down. My <laughs> wife and I, we had to let our dog go. Oh. Our 15-year-old dog that I've had since I was in high school. And oh, um, in the process of, like, this is the week when it happened, and Andrew can kind of attest to the fact that, like, there's a reason we're playing Burnout Paradise after this. <laughs> yeah. Because... While all that was going down, I was also trying to play this game, and there I only got I, I meant to get farther because I, I was at the point where I was actually enjoying the game. But after that happened, I was like, I can't, I, I cannot, I like mentally cannot yeah. play this game anymore. I'm not in the headspace for this, I, which I is totally understandable. There's no you know good or easy or anything way to manage that and so when the game itself is already making you like heavily reflect on decisions you've made and things that have happened in your life i i just couldn't i'm like i can't like i just can't play it anymore right and And so (laughs) burnout is a palate cleanser (laughs) exactly because i don't know how nuts disco elysium is but i i've heard i've heard very good things about it not that i haven't heard good things about pathologic it's just Again, like we were saying at the beginning, a game that is designed to be horror, because even when you look on the Steam profile or whatever, it says yeah. horror survival genre. And I'm right, like, good. okay, even though at this point I wouldn't necessarily classify it as horror, just because the thing is there isn't another word for it. Right, and I even, exactly. Within I proposed the a word yeah. in our Discord, which I'd love to get going, which was Savizzle, if I remember correctly. Um, that sounds right. So Vizzle is, is the genre of game that this is? Yeah, we, because <laughs> that was part of what we were discussing was, yes, I mean, survival horror with the genres that we have established. Yes, that is probably the most correct one, but it's not really a good description of what's actually happening. Yeah. And like, I kind of put it in the same category. And I think I used this example specifically when we were talking about it on both Discord and Twitter. I kind of lump it in the same category as this war of mine, where, you know, it it's not specifically trying to scare you. It just wants you to think and reflect and maybe not, you know, feel great about it. 
but it's not really trying to make you scared. Yeah. It's trying to, and even the game, because one of the things I sent you when I was talking about uh, basically being against playing it in the first place, although I had already bought it, so it didn't matter because I was like, if I bought it, I'm playing it for this podcast. Yeah. Like, I'm not spending money on this game and not doing it. And uh, so when I, when you were looking in the menus of the game, right when you're starting it, there's this whole message that basically says, this game is basically meant to make you feel like garbage. <laughs> yeah. It's, and I was like, the game thanks, designed- Andrew. I really appreciate your decision making. Yeah. This game is meant to make you feel terrible. And I was like, cool. Well, I'm going to choose the option that doesn't make me feel terrible. I'm going to play on the easiest setting. Oh, you did? Yes. Okay. I, I, I did the default because I was just like, I'm going to do whatever it says is the right way or like the, the standard way to do it. Well, the the easiest setting was default, if I remember. Oh, right. maybe, maybe it was. I don't remember. Because it was like, I don't know if there was an easier setting. Well, you could go in and turn off specific things because there was definitely an option to do like a custom difficulty. Oh, I did do custom and I made things easier for me because mostly because I just wanted to complete the story. Well, I wanted to get farther in the story, and I knew if I didn't have to worry about gathering food and stuff all the time, that I wouldn't yeah. really have to worry about that as much, and I could focus more on the story for the actual podcast. This, the thing is, that's how I approach most games these days, because I don't have the time to it put into... It is a into, real problem. Unless I'm playing an actual survival game, I just don't have the time to like do other things. Because when you play like a survival-type game, when, when you're playing Subnautica specifically, because that was one of the things that, that people we were talking about in our Discord is... Yeah, that, you know, that game got used as an example a lot. Subnautica could technically be considered horror, but horror is subjective because what is scary to some people, like being at the bottom of the ocean and not being able to breathe, I am like, this game is awesome. This game's so much fun. I'm not claustrophobic at all. I like don't fear being out in the ocean. Yeah. I mean... Don't get me wrong, if I was out in the ocean, yeah, I'd, I'd be like, well, this, I'm definitely scared. But, like, it's not something that I really think about, you know, when, I, when I'm on a plane and I'm going over an ocean or something like that. It's not really something that I think about in a sense of, like, I'm specifically scared that something will go wrong and I'll be in the ocean and not know what to do. So, from a Subnautica standpoint, I'm like, I can see how people would see this as a potential horror game, especially when there's like giant creatures floating around that could essentially attack you at any time. But for me, it was just, that's just all the, that's just part of the fun of it. And that's essentially what Pathologic eventually became for me. It's, and I think the dis, the defining factor is in Subnautica and the, after the tutorial of Pathologic, the lead up to the scary bits takes so much time that it just becomes real and you you, like you just come to, to terms with the fact that this is how it is. Yeah, it it doesn't like jump out and try to scare like it yeah, it builds into it. That's a very good way of putting it. So when I cuz in Subnautica the first time I ran into one of those giant murder creatures it was full disclosure. I've never played Subnautica, so I have no idea what he's talking about. I've heard very good things, but the thing is, I had, I, I kind of already watched some like big names play it, and so I kind of already knew that there were big giant murder creatures. But the first time I actually ran into one, I was already very prepared for it because when I play a survival game, 
I basically don't move on until I have an overabundance of everything that I feel like I need. Like when I go into the mega depths, I actually had so much material and so much stuff that when I started going deeper, I already had enough material to make an underwater base. And for me, I was like, that's, that's what I want to do right now. I want to make an underwater base. I did the exact same thing in No Man's Sky. I got to the point where I had so much resources that I could basically go anywhere and do whatever I want. And the only thing I did was I need to find the perfect location for an awesome base. Because that's kind of how I play survival games. And that just, for me, because it takes me so long to actually get there, my I think my brain just associates it with, well, this is just what's going on right now. And it's sort of how I cope with things that are happening in real life. Most of the time, when you're experiencing something bad or, or, or something like that, more times than not, it's a slow buildup. It's like at work, I'm working on a project and the project is fine at the beginning, but throughout the project, you know, scope changes and things get, you know, things can just get more busy and more busy. And then it's like, okay, well, it sucks, but I know how I got to this point. And it's like, maybe I could have made a different decision. And that's with, with Pathologic, it's, I've put myself in the situation that I'm in. So it's objectively less scary to me somehow. Yeah, and that's that's very fair. It's, it's interesting that you talk about that because that's definitely actually one of the problems that I really have with not even specifically survival games, although they tend to be one of the ones that do that. But even games like Minecraft and stuff, I really struggle with those kind of games specifically because for whatever reason, I'm really bad at like the make your own fun kind of game. And I mean, I enjoyed No Man's Sky, but... I never, you know, I, I don't didn't wind up playing it that long for a similar reason, and I don't know what it is. It's just, like, I'm not very good in a game like that of, you know, giving myself an objective to work towards or whatever if I don't specifically have an objective provided to me that I should be working on from outside to, like... So do, you want other the, people to tell you how to have fun instead of making your own fun? Within the context of a video game, yes. I mean... Because if I, if I, I mean, for me, like if I'm making my own fun, to me, that's like, I'm going off and doing something creative or whatever, or working on like, yeah, working on some writing or things like that. When I play a video game, I'm mostly just like, I'm just want to see what happens next for me. Well, I don't know. That's just the so, way I am. So by being creative, that's why survival games that, that, that allow you to build like a hut and stuff, that's why they do it for me. Because oh, yeah. I get to build something within the confines of the game that is my own. When, when you have a survival game and it basically is just, you need to go here, do this, go here, do this, go here, do this. I can't stand it. But when I get to go, just this is the situation you're in, go, I'm, I love it. I, I, especially like with Outer Wilds. Oh, man, Outer Wilds was so good. And that's and what I'm so saying. Good. Like, for Outer Wilds, you you have an objective, but you have no means to get there. You literally, the whole point of that game is go out and make your own fun. Well, I mean, with Outer Wilds, though, like, what, what drove me on with Outer Wilds was wanting to understand more about this world and what comes next. And, you know, sometimes you can get that, like, in... That, like that's what drove me on for at first with No Man's Sky was just wanting to see all the cool things and stuff. But Outer Wilds was short enough that 
you know, I, that, that magic never quite wore off, especially because it was such a small, intricately designed universe or like the solar system where, you know, the, the devs had specifically put things in cool places and stuff. And while No Man's Sky was obviously like a huge technical achievement, you know, the, the, just the realities of being procedurally generated meant that you weren't going to find that really cool thing unless it was entirely by happenstance in this gigantic universe. You know what I mean? I get that, but part of the fun for me was looking for the perfect spot. Sure. And and, and again, I'm, this is not at all meant to be a criticism of, of you or anybody else who has fun with that. It's awesome that there's these, I mean, the fact that Minecraft got as popular as it was for a reason because it let people, you know, just be creative in this like virtual I, sandbox setting. It's super cool. I would almost say it's more of a criticism for yourself than it would be people who enjoy those games. Well, I mean, I, 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 it wasn't what I'm getting at is it's not really a criticism for anybody on either side, at least from my perspective. It's just a matter of people like different things. No, no, I understand that. But what I'm saying is to to if you're saying you're bad at creating your fun, your own fun, that almost seems more of a criticism for yourself, which is I I'm not saying that is a bad thing. I'm saying that is an interesting like basically what you're saying is I don't really have fun with those and it's my fault. In a sense, you know what I mean. I mean, I mean, yeah, that's one way to look at it. I was just looking into more, like, I mean, when I'm I say looking, that, dude, this game has me in like philosophical mode. So I'm yeah. looking at a reason for absolutely everything. And when you tell me that you're like, well, I don't really like it because I, I'm not great. Like when I think of stuff, I want to be creatively writing or something like that. I just can't get into games where I'm supposed to make my own fun. I'm like, ah, so sit down on the couch now. What does that say about <laughs> you? I mean, really, I think you don't like being in your own head, huh? Not really. (laughs) What it says is about your childhood. (laughs) Really, what it says is if I want to do that creative, I want the complete, you know, lack of limitations that something like writing gives me where I can literally put anything on the paper. Whereas, like, do what you want within this confined set of rules just doesn't do it as much for me. I don't know. Ah, so. You don't want to be limited by rules. Interesting. So, in your childhood, did you enjoy playing with Legos? (laughs) Of course, everybody enjoyed Legos. Well, there, there are only specific Legos, so there are an inherent set of rules with those Legos that you have to abide by. Or did you use elements not legos to expand your creation let's talk about this a little bit more in detail (laughs) okay well before this becomes um the psychoanalysis hour with chris and andrew um, we should probably start move towards the end of this episode but pathological is such an interesting experience just because it was so different from everything else we've done I mean, I guess the closest we could probably compare it to was like Papers, Please, but even then, it was such a different experience. Yeah, and and I will, I would, even not liking the genre, the vagueness of the genre of horror that this game says it is, I would definitely play this this game to completion. Oh yeah, me too. This is definitely one, just like Outer Wilds. This is one where I was like, I'm absolutely going back to finish this because I really want to know where where it goes from here. Yeah, like I want, I want to cure the disease, and I, I think for me, I'm going to focus on the seven children, how to to save them, at least on my first playthrough. Um, yeah, that you're, that you're introduced to uh, on day two when you rest, and 
I, I think that's probably where my focus is going to be is on saving the children the first run through. Whoever, I guess, dies as a result, I don't know. Um, but I think that'll probably be my first focus when I play through the game. Because even now, I try to play the game where I'm nice to everybody, but I'm specifically nice to all the kids. And I feel like I have reloaded some conversations because I felt like the things I chose came off differently than what I had intended. Yeah. And I don't Which, like that. That's, that's the one problem that I have with games. And, and that's one of the problems that I kind of had with Witcher was a lot of times the option was very vague, like, yes, but then Geralt would go into this long monologue of what actually that meant when you said yes. And I'm like, well, that's not really at all what I meant. Yeah, like that wasn't what I was thinking about when I agreed to do this. And so the same thing was kind of happening in some of the conversations in, in Pathologic. So I think there was one with the kids that I actually, uh, I, I can't remember which kid section it was. I think it was the funeral uh, that I reloaded for because I was like, I, I didn't really mean to be a jerk in this scenario. And I kind of felt like I came off that way. And that's definitely not my intention. And the thing is, I guess in real life, you can definitely come off as a jerk and that not be your intention. The only thing is a lot of times in real life, you sometimes, not always, you have the option to clarify. Yeah, or, you know, you at least know what words are going to come out of your mouth generally as it's happening. It, like, you know, you don't be like, I'm going to say yes. And then like, wait, I did, where's all this other stuff come from in real life? That's not generally how that works. Yeah, except in, in my brain, I like misplace words all the time. And I, I found something... I, I figured out exactly what I do. And I, I guess this is going to be another psychoanalyze session at the very end of this episode. But this is something weird. I, I guess not weird, but it's something I do and I understand why. It's because of the way your brain associates with specific objects. The other day I was talking to my wife about uh, we, we were going to dinner with, with friends or something. And when we were on our way there, I said, we were just, we were previously just talking about lunch or something that we had had for lunch or I had had something for like, you know, fast food or something for lunch for work. As I was having this conversation with, uh, with my wife and we were going up to dinner, I said, you know, once we're done with lunch and everything, we'll do this, that or the other. And I paused. I knew I wanted to say dinner, but my brain was like, well, it's just easier to say lunch because you were just talking about lunch. And so I just replaced dinner with lunch and then she was and, and i was like after the conversation i realized what i had done and then i go oh yeah i actually meant dinner and she was like yeah i figured that out. and it happens all the time like i i, I guess the, the the thing is it, it happens so much that sometimes i don't know if there there's this one there's a i don't know if people have ever heard of raising canes because it's mostly just an ohio thing but it's really good chicken there's this one. It's not just Ohio. There's actually one all the way down here in North Carolina that I know of that's not super far, but it is definitely rare. Oh, well, it started in Ohio. But yeah, I, it's been growing. I, I, I guess believe, is my point. I think it started in Ohio. Pretty sure. Because I thought it started in like Ohio State um, School District. I thought that was the first one. Anyway. I could well, be wrong. Regardless. It's a chicken place. They, chicken place. They got, they, got, they got chicken. All they sell is chicken, fries, and, uh, well, coleslaw and. Texas toast. And the Texas toast is the reason I go there because it's so delicious. 
anyway. That aside, there's this one that I always went to, and every single time I would go, I always say that I want unsweet tea. I always say that it is a default because I, I I've tried. I'm a bigger guy, and I've tried to reduce sugar from my diet so that way I can you know try to help myself lose lose uh, some some unwanted weight and. So I always say unsweet tea no matter where I go. At this one specific Cane's, this one lady would always repeat my my order back and she'd always say sweet tea. And I go, that was an unsweet tea. And she goes, yeah, I know. That's what I said. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. So did I actually say something wrong in this scenario or did she say something? Like I, I frequently replace words all the time to the point where I was like, is it just me? Or is it actually, is she doing the same thing? And so it's just something interesting and dumb, I guess. But I just constantly do that. And you know, I've done that on the podcast multiple times. It's just. Oh, yeah. I mean, everybody gets tongue tied from time to time, too. So, like, that's just normal. Word brain cork that I do. I just, I feel like I do it more often than others. Brains are weird. Well, the reason is because brains your memories are basically bits and pieces of what actually happened. Your your brain remembers the important bits and it what just it kind of fills everything yeah. in from there. So the important bit for most for that story that I had um, was we are going somewhere to eat. It doesn't matter if it was breakfast, lunch or dinner. It's just the point is we're going somewhere and after we eat, we need to go do this other thing. And so right. my brain was just like, replace what we're doing with any random garbage because the important point of this story is after we're done, we need to go do this thing. And right. I thought that was when I start when I sat back and kind of reflected, I'm like, oh, so that's why I I do that. Because the important bit is not where we're going. So it doesn't matter what I say as long as the point is after X, we do Y. So I just brains are brains are weird. Yeah, this this has been um, brains are weird with Chris and Andrew. <laughs> and, and by by all means, uh, I don't know what I'm talking about. So don't take anything I say any sort of face value. Uh, brains are weird. Pathologic is weird. Everything is weird. Yeah. Uh, my only take my last takeaway here before we rip up, and this is also something I, we talked about on the Discord, is I would also like to see like the genre and the tone be separated out because part of the problem with horror and why I think it's a bad genre as a descriptor is horror doesn't really tell you anything about how you play the game. Whereas like RPG kind of tells you what you're getting into. I mean, you know, you're going to be leveling up and there's probably going to be some gear going on and you're going to do upgrades over time. You know, it might be turn-based, it might be action, whatever, but you get some of the gist of what's there. Same with like an adventure game or an action game or a sports game. Like you, it tells you something about what you're doing in terms of play, whereas horror tells you absolutely nothing. And I'd also like to have, you know, so, so, but, but I kind of, I actually, and I, I still disagree with you on that. Horror tells you that you're going to have an emotional response to this game, whether that be scared, whether that be fear, thought, or something. You're going to, I, I, I think that's why horror is is so vague. Because it, it, it conveys a, you're going to have some sort of emotional response to this game, whether that be good, bad, or the other. And I think RPG is so vague in the same, in the same aspect, because 
you know, in the same way that Fallout is an RPG, Disgaea is also an RPG, but plays vastly different. One focuses on like the RPG in the most intense sense, whereas the newer Fallouts are more kind of like uh, RPG is just kind of a side effect of all the other things that you're doing. Yeah. And I, I don't disagree that I think horror is is way too vague, which is exactly why Sefizzle is the new um, word for, for what this specific game is trying to, trying to convey. But like where, where I was going with this is I feel like tone and genre should perhaps be separate. And by that I mean like, tell me it's a horror RPG or a dramatic adventure game or something. Cause then that kind of tells you both, you know, cause I mean, when you hear, but they did drama, because it said survival horror. So yeah, they kind fair, of already, the devs already did that. I, I, I get what you're trying to say, but all I'm saying is there's only so much you can use as a, when it comes to horror or a game like this, they're, they're really, you're right. When you think of an RPG or something, you kind of know basic what's going to happen. With horror, you really don't know. And I think that's why so many things get lumped into horror because horror is only horror as a genre itself. Seem The only thing that seems to be commonplace in any of them is some sort of emotional response. I, I, I guess I feel like with horror, you almost always know that something's going to be wrong. Mm hmm. But that might be wrong in mechanics. It might be wrong in terms of story. But like, I guess if I had to pick like one simple thing in the way that like, if I was gonna if I was gonna describe RPG in one word, it'd be like level up. Or you know, like if I had to try to come up with a one word description for words. things like that. Well, you can do you can say level up as one. But leveling, how about that? <laughs> I was just I know you were. <laughs> but, but no, I, I I I do get exactly what you're saying, and I and I understand it. All I'm saying is a game like this is, I think, too complex to put in a single word, genre, I, or tone. I don't disagree with that. And that's always going to be a problem because, I mean, it's a similar problem you have with, like, art house type movies. And I feel like Pathologic is definitely an art house sort of video game. It's something that's trying to do a specific thing. And it knows a lot of people are probably not going to be into that thing, but it's doing what it's doing. And either you're going to really like it if it's your thing or you're really not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I happen to fall on the side of really liking it personally, but but with that, this has been Andrew and Chris's brains are weird. The pathologic story. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, uh, this has been video games cover to cover. As always, you can contact us on uh, Discord or email or Twitter, which I will I'll put the links in the description as usual. In particular, if you have any feedback on things like audio quality, that would probably be helpful. <laughs> Please. No, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 let's. We've been trying a couple different things and we're like, it would be really good to know what, which of the things we're trying people actually like. What really irritates me is the quality of 35 was so much better in my opinion than 36 and i don't understand what magic sauce we missed yeah and and anyway long story short i'm recording in a closet and i'd really like to know if that is worth it <laughs> well what and and like i said i think what we really need to do is get some soundproofing for you and i know some several cheap options for that yeah and that's fine and we'll work on that i hate the bachelor yeah.